0: Okay, this morning I'm just gonna read from the book of Ruth. And there's a lot of uh, truth that we can, we can all, it's a key word here, just like Ruth did, glean from. <laughs> and uh, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, names were revealing character. That's what names were given because there was a specific character. And, and, and the meaning behind the names. And so I'm just going to touch on a few things and then we'll just see what God has. In, in chapter 1, and verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there weren't, there weren't any kings yet, so there were judges that ruled, that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Moab, in in, in a type, all through the Old Covenant, speaks of the the flesh, or the fallen nature. And the name of the man was Elimelech. Look these names up, they're very interesting. And the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, uh, Malin and Chilion. Ephrathites, of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab, Moab, and continued there. Not a very good place to continue, right? <laughs> in, in the flesh, and at Naomi. Uh, Naomi literally means uh, beautiful, pleasant. <laughs> that was her name, but she had two sons. <laughs> Uh, Matt Malin and Chilean. You should look those names up. Bitter, pining away, angry. That's what their names literally mean. And that's that's the flesh, isn't it? That's what we're like when we function in the flesh, in the country of Moab. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. See? And you look his name up and that's what happens. You know, and she was left and her two sons, and they took them wives of the woman of Moab. Not a very good thing. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about 10 years. I think it's very interesting when you follow this through. Ruth was a Moabite, right? But yet, where do you think the royal line for Christ came through? Where do you think David's line came through? Came through that. Man, I gotta tell you, it's, it's just really amazing when, you, when we think about it. And they dwelt there 10 years. And Marlin, bitter and pining away, <laughs> died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Who does she have? She's all alone. Right? She's all alone. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, those two, Orpah and Ruth, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Oh boy, we need some bread, don't we? This morning, we, we we need a supply. We need some bread, all of us. And, uh, Verse 7, it says, and therefore she went forth out of the place where she was. Because there wasn't what she needed in the place where she was, in Moab. Or anything that she produced, her two sons, bitterness and pining away. It just wasn't anything in there. And so they ended, thank God. And she was left with those two, her two daughters-in-law, with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of what? Judah. And where do you suppose our precious Savior, where he came from, that line from Judah? And that's where you see that even in the book of Revelations in the fifth chapter. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the books because only he could do, and only he was the fulfillment in those books. And that's this one right here. I think it's so interesting. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you, uh, each to her mother's house. The Lord has dealt kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant that you may find rest. Each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. Didn't look too good for Naomi does it. And really, we'll see even for her daughters. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with you unto your people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? <laughs> what do I have? You want to have a share in my misery. There are yet, are there yet any more sons in my womb? I mean, what can I give you? That they may be your husbands. Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. It's over for me. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would you wait for them? I mean, would you wait for them until they're grown? Would you stay for them, having you know them from having husbands? No, my daughters. For it grieves me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord, look at what she said. And how how many times we think this and when we forget God, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. All these things are happening to me because God is against me. It just made me think of Jacob and everything that, that happened to him. He thought he lost two sons. There's a famine. He thinks it's over. He's old. It's over for him. The line's not going to be carried on for him. All the promises that God gave him are over. And he said in Genesis 42, 36, all these things are against me. Well, you know, really what he was saying is, God is against me. He's against me. You know? he, he took the Israelites out of Egypt. He took them out. And that was awesome. You know, and, and they were they were singing that song, the song of Moses, who was a type of Christ. In Exodus, the fifteenth chapter, they sang the song, The Horse and Rider thrown into the sea. And they were cheerful and they were blessed by what God had done. And as he was leading them through that, they were already on the other side of the Red Sea and the Red Sea the Red Sea there in the 14th chapter. And into the 15th chapter is a sign of the salvation, Christ dying for us. And that goes into Exodus, the 12th chapter, 1 through 13, the Passover lamb. So with those two, he was teaching, and he's teaching us that Christ died for us. Awesome. But then he's leading them through. At first, they were singing these beautiful songs. Boy, there was a time when he led them. And where did he lead them? It's where he's leading us, to the place of helplessness and hopelessness in ourselves. Because he led them to the Red Sea. But even before they got to the other side, that's where he led them. He led them to the Red Sea, the sea of what? For the flesh, impossible. I'm looking at it by sight. I'm looking at my circumstances and situations, and by sight, there's no hope. I look inside myself, no hope. So many times we said, as God has taught us, if you want to be disappointed, and this is very key for us this morning, for me and for us, is very, very key. When we look to others, we get disappointed. When we get disappointed in them, or we can't be there with them, we get disappointed. Then we turn inward. And when we do, we get discouraged. God led them to the Red Sea. In front of them was impossibility. They looked to the left, mountain range. How is at least 2.4 million Jews going to climb that? Look to the right, another mountain range. Well, maybe I should go back. I turn around and there's the enemies. Fierce army against me. What do I do? Look at what they did. They murmured in their tents. They couldn't go anywhere. You know why? Because God led them there. They couldn't go anywhere. Because God led them there. And he was leading Naomi the same way. He was leading them. The same way you know there's there's a depth of fellowship with the individual that god only wants for them yes we have fellowship with others yes we get portions and they help us but they can never replace intimate individual fellowship with a particular place where god has led us it just doesn't happen any other way Because even when we understand the scriptures, even in Revelations 2 and verse 17, there's the intimacy of fellowship for all eternity that will never replace fellowship with each other. Neither will replace either. But I can't have proper fellowship, even with those that I deeply love properly, until Christ is that in me. Because if that's the case, I will look for them for the help that I don't have. I will look for them for the hope that I I need when I already have it in me. I just haven't turned. And we're in a process of growth. Is it the end? If you look through all the Bible, he had to bring each and every single individual in the place that he called them to come to the end of themselves. He just did. That's what he did here. Naomi is at the end of herself. She believes God is against her based upon her circumstances and situations and everything that she went through. Everything. What was God going to do? You know what he was doing the whole time? For any of us, this is so lovingly, unaccusingly, uncondemningly, (laughs) without a question about it lovingly convicting the whole time that they were in their tents, in their beds, murmuring and living in fear, the whole time, which they couldn't see by sight, God was gently pulling back the waters, (laughs) putting it back, putting it back. And he provided a way for them to get through. And he did the same for Naomi. And you know, he's already given us every provision, honestly, that we have to learn this, all of us, and we can't learn it. We can't learn it until in each and every specific area, he brings us to the point of self-helplessness and self-hopelessness. And that just doesn't mean ourselves, it means others. Because you, you and I cannot have proper fellowship unless Christ is everything to me. Where I am right now, I just won't have it. Otherwise, I will look to them to be something that they can't even be in themselves. They just can't. None of us can. And even Joseph, look at everything that Joseph went through. Look at every single thing that that man went through. What was God bringing him to the point of? What was he bringing him through? And was God against him in those circumstances? Was he? In the place right where he was, was God against him. When everything by sight and by reasoning of the mind, thoughts apart from trust and the emotions, what was it telling them? It's good. God's not for me here. He's not for me here. Well, what was God doing with Joseph, teaching him? What was God doing with Joseph? Yes, Potiphar's his wife lied. Yes, his brothers literally wanted to kill him. I think it was Judah that interfered and said, let's just sell him, Spared his life. You know, God had something to do with that royal line leading up to Christ. Then part of his wife lied, tried to seduce him. He's in jail. <laughs> he helps one of them get out with interpreting the dream for the king. And here he is in prison, innocent. He didn't do anything. He's in prison. <laughs> and then he's there. And, and when he gets out, because, because if Joseph interpreted the dream for that guy, the butler and the baker, right? He gets out. And he said, just do me one thing. Would you do me one thing? Could you just please remember me and talk to the king? Did you just do that? You know, that guy forgot for two years. Jesus, I helped these people. I did this, I did that. What about me, God? Why am I here? Why is this happening to me? I'll tell you why. And God tells me why, and all of us why. Because there he was teaching Joseph that he had to come to the end of himself in his self-help and self-hope and putting it in anyone else other than Christ. Other than Christ. And he was leading him all the way to not only for himself, not only for himself, not only for two nations. There was a famine in Egypt and he stored up the grain. That's a picture of Christ storing up the word for us. Literally, because there's going to be a famine. Oh boy, is there a famine in our country right now. But he stored up those grains. A great supply in the midst of famine for two nations, Israel and Egypt. He sent them ahead and promoted him. Where does promotion come from? Well, Psalm 75, 6 and 7 says, Promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. If I look to the east, I want to escape here. No. I look to the west, I want to escape. I'm doing it off. No. Somehow, there I go again. I don't know, somewhere. I look to the east. I look to the west. I look to the south. Can't get out. You know why? Because promotion comes. He Left out the north. Why? Because where should we always look? Where's our provision? It's up. Just like the window that was in the ark, it was up. They weren't looking out, left, right, down. They were looking up. For a promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge, meaning he's in control of our circumstances and situations, period. He is. He he puts down one, he says, and he sets up another. He sets us up. Now, of course, who did he set up? He set up Christ for us. And where are we honestly set up? Where is all our provision met? Where does it say that? My God will supply all what? Your singular need, Philippians 4, 19, by Christ Jesus. And in that, when it's him, can I do all things? In Philippians 4, verse 13, can I? Can I do all things? Do I and do we have Christ in us, that treasure in us? Where is all, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, where are all the the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hid? In Colossians 2 and verse 3. He, in 2, 2 of Colossians, who's knit himself together with us. That's where it is. And to look anywhere else for it is to completely miss intimacy with him. And when I miss fellowship and intimacy with him, I'm not gonna have it with others. no matter where I go. It doesn't matter. So Naomi, he's leading Naomi, and Naomi's trying to counsel her daughters with the counsel of her self-life, which is what? She's helpless, and she's hopeless in herself. So she tells them again, turn again, in, in one twelve. Would you tarry for them till they were grown? And if you look at verse 14. And they lift up their voice, And wept again. Now, watch this one. And Orpah kissed her mother in law. And basically, the kiss was leaving. She left. But Naomi clave unto her. She wouldn't leave her. She clave unto her. And she said, Behold, your sister in law has gone back unto her people and unto her, look at this, her gods. When we don't go forward and we don't trust him, what do we go back to? What do we go back to? The flesh under the prince and power of the air. And return you after your sister-in-law. Go with her. And this is what Ruth said. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Well, boy, Naomi's in it. She is going through a tough time. Things are tough for her. What should I do? Well, what should I do? Should I leave? You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9, he said, there's a great and effectual open door unto me. And what he was saying was that there's a great opportunity for preaching and teaching only the person of Christ and what he's accomplished. But he said also, and there are many adversaries. Were the adversaries the reason for him to leave? No. They were the reason to stay. Because when God does a work, and he does, the adversaries come. And oh boy, we need to wait and trust and be patient no matter what it looks like by the sight of our understanding that we would only get apart from Christ according to the enemy. And Ruth said this Don't ask me to leave or to return from following after you, for where you go I will go. I love what it says. And I, I thought of certain men that were that are in my life that God has used. In Proverbs 1717 17, it says a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know what that means? That means that others could be going through things intensely, intensely, and what should we do? What should I do? When I take my mind off myself, I experience the life that Christ is in me, in me, and it's like a new born-again life that I can give to them in the, in the midst of their affliction in the midst of their trials, and we can be for one another, for one another. And she said, will you go? I'm gonna go. And will you settle? I'm gonna settle. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if but death part you and me. Gosh, what a confession. And when she saw, Naomi, obviously, when she saw that she was steadfastly, and steadfastly means that she was strengthened in herself. And you know, we want the grace, don't we? We want the grace that his strength gives us. In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, and in Joel 3 and verse 10, we want that, but we do not want to be made in reality what we are apart from him, weak. We don't want that part. I want the increase in John 3.30, but I do not want the decrease. I don't want it. Who does in the flesh? Who does? I love that song too. He didn't call us this far to leave us, no matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter. Because sight doesn't dictate Because if it's sight that dictates, it's the circumstances and situations that become our guide and not Christ in the midst of them. He led them. God took them out of captivity, those Israelites. A minimum of 2.4 million men. And he brought them to the place of self-helplessness and self-hope. I brought you this far, and I want you to know, you can't do it. You can't do it. And you cannot rely on someone else to do in you, in your particular circumstance and situation, what only I can do. It's my life that's done it. Serious, it's my life that's done it. And when it's that way, now I become a joint that supplies, and I'm not looking for someone to be that supply. Because when God brings us to a certain place, it's that place where he needs to do in us what he's already done for us but we need to decrease. We need to. And he uses those circumstances and situations to bring us to that place so that we can have freedom. And we're all learning this too. And so when she saw that she was, her mind had so much strength in her, of grace to go with her, she left speaking unto her. I'm not going to change her mind. She's not going to leave me. You know, there's nothing that we can do to convince God to leave us. And when you're a true friend, there's nothing that you can do to convince that friend to leave you in the midst of your adversity. Again, and and, and I want to make this clear, listen, I have personally failed in areas. We said this recently also. I have failed in areas of the most foundational truths, the finished work but yet he's teaching me through humility that my failure in the gift of a pastor teacher that he's given me, you're not to still stop teaching those things because in doing so, I put you in a place of humility to teach you and to come through you to others, in the exclusion of yourself having anything to do with it, but still doing a great work in you and in those that he's called in a particular place. So they both went in 19. They went and they came to Beth Lachem, the place of peace, the place of rest. They went together. You know, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says, two are better than one. It's the principle of Matthew 18 and verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, my nature. I'm their supply. There I am in the midst. We're two or three. Because that's what it's come down to, folks. It is. It's come down to. And a threefold cord, Christ between them, it's not. it cannot be broken. It's better than, it's not easily broken. The original is it won't be. You put Christ between and that's why it says in James 4 and verse 6 listen to this and this is true for every one of us in the flesh God resists the proud I can do this without him no you can't no I can't God anti tasso resists anti the proud hooper of but he gives my zona Karin, greater grace to those, listen, that he has humbled his plan, folks. Why do we think it's any different? No matter where you go, that plan's going to continue to humble you in areas where there's self-reliance through pride with all of us. God resists the pride, but he gives more grace to those that he's humbled And with that grace adjustment, you submit yourself to God. Then he puts Christ in between you and the devil. He puts Christ between you and your circumstances. And you no longer view yourself or God by your circumstances and your situations. You see yourself in God. You see yourself in Christ. I see myself in Christ. The two went and they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? I mean, look at her. Is this the one who's pleasant? Is this the one who's like beautiful? Is this her? And she said unto them, she said unto them, don't you call me pleasant. Don't you say that to me because I'm not, because God's against me. And I can prove it to you, look, my husband's dead, the two sons that I produce for these women, they're dead. I mean, it's over for me, right here in this place, it's over. She said, don't you dare, don't you call me Naomi, you call me Mara. Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. Call me bitter. And you know, bitter in Hebrews 12 and verse 15, it literally makes it clear. Bitterness, okay, bitterness is when we can't express, and I'm gonna tell you, what what keeps us in a problem is the lack of forgiveness. We think it's we think it's past things that happened to us. It's not because God has dealt with our past, it's forgiveness. That's the problem, period. What do we have between us? We have Christ. Do we? Has he dealt with all my sins? Yep. Did he deal with my past? Yep. Did he deal with the others that offended me? Yes, he did. What is forgiveness? It's His confirming his love. I know, and by the way, when I don't forgive and you don't forgive, when we don't forgive, it's not that that person's in the prison, it's me. I'm in the prison. And the enemy will tell me this is why the lie. The lie is we're not our past. The lie is not what we went through. The the truth is, this is who we are in Christ. She said, she said, call me bitter. Because bitter, when there's no forgiveness, there's only the hatred and anger towards that person. And when that person, when I don't dare to express that anger towards them, was it in my past? Was it how people treated me? Was it? Or when they're no longer there for me to express that anger towards them, what does that anger do? It then turns in and I become mara. What? Bitter. And many become defiled. And we think it's the past. We think it's how someone treated us. Look (laughs) it. And God has to constantly confirm this to me. I paid for all your sins. Yes? You believe that? Yes, Lord, I do. You, I Did do you believe that I did crucify by faith dependence? Did I crucify your old nature and everything about your past and pay for your sin? Yes, Lord. Well, how about that other believer that offended you, that rejected you, that hurt you? Did I pay for theirs too? And am I the one who's in you? Did I do that? Until that's dealt with <laughs> in areas of our life, we're not going forward. We won't experience Bethlehem, the city of peace in Christ, because in Ephesians 2.14, he is our peace. For the Almighty, she said, has dealt very bitterly with me. Boy, he's blessing everybody else. Oh, Lord. And so I measure how God thinks about me based upon how he blesses others and hasn't me. And then what? Bitter. Misery. This isn't going to change. What am I doing? Why? 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 This is what she said. This is Naomi, who now wants to be called bitter. I went out full. I went out full. I was full. Before I left, I was full. And the Lord has brought me home again. What? Empty. Oh, thank God. Boy, does he have to empty us. Because if we think even the things that he gives us replace him, those things even in themselves become dust collectors. We just get, we're just empty, we're just empty. This is a lesson I had to learn constantly, even as a young guy, young teenager. I had to learn these things, and I got to learn them again in new circumstances and situations. Though, and he brought me home empty, and then you have the nerve to call me pleasant. Seeing the Lord has testified, he's a witness against me. Yeah, what was she going by? The thought of the Lord, the Lord, or by her circumstances and situations that God was using to reduce her just so he could bless her. She didn't have to go anywhere else. Well, he testified against me in the almighty has afflicted me. Who afflicted Joseph? It was their brothers, but who did they function under? They functioned under the enemy. You know what he told them? And and uh, I'll close. There's so much more in here. Well, I'm going to hold off on Joseph and I'll just finish this. So verse 22, it says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of moab he constantly has to take us out of the flesh and our thinking because if not our circumstances and our situations become the guide they become so-called the revelation of god is either for me or against me huh boy i gotta learn that one constantly out of the country of moab and they came to bethlehem and boy i love this this morning when i read it and i said oh god Do I need this? They came to the city of peace in the beginning of a barley harvest. Oh, Jesus, your word is incredible. I'll stop there, but I I do want to continue on that at some point. But you know, in closing this morning, everything that Joseph went through, he was not only doing a deep work in him intimately, which could never be replaced. Or he could never be that for others. He would look to others to be what only Christ would want to be and desire what he had done in him and through him. All the way through, he led him. Was it the end for him? Listen, was it the end for him? Was the prison the end for him? Can't do anything. Can't go anywhere. Everything is crazy. What's going to happen now, God? It's over for me. Okay, I'll help you. Just remember me when you get up there. Two years more? God, what the heck? What did I do? What did I do wrong? No, it's not what you do and it's not what you don't do that he's teaching us in Galatians 5, 6. It's not circumcision or uncircumcision. It's not what you do, what you don't do. It's a faith dependence that expresses itself through a love that will never let it go. Will never let us go. He had to bring him all the way through. Did God promote him? Did God promote him? Did God lead him where he was? And was God with him in the prison? Was he? Is he with you? Is he with me? Has he forsaken us? Will he in Hebrews 13, 5 and Joshua 1, 5? No, he will not. He has to strengthen us in those times. Be strong. And in Joshua 1, verse 9, be strong. Haven't I told you? You be strong right where you are. I'm teaching you strength when there's no one else but me to be your strength. And then you'll go forward in the right way, not only for yourself, but for others. Did God promote Joseph? Will he promote you? What are you waiting for? Is he your expectation? In Psalm 62, verse 5, will he leave you or fail you? Has he ever done that? Wherever you've been, no matter what it looked like, even when you thought so, when you look back, did he? No, he didn't. He never will. God promoted Joseph. And in his promotion, you know what he was teaching him in the prison? I want you to pour all your heart and put it in my heart, and I will put my heart in you, my thoughts, my love in you, the great exchange. I will do that, but he was teaching him that in the prison. You know, the strongest ships that they are, they're not the ones that are in the safe haven at the port, they've been through the storms. The oak tree, (laughs) it takes God a hundred years to make an oak tree. Think of Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but not if, but when the desire comes. Oh yeah, in God's timing, when he's reduced us to the, it'll be a tree of life. And the blessing that he has for me, like he had for Joseph, is not only just for him, but that has to be first. Now it's for others. And I'm gonna rely on him for others. That's what I'm gonna do. And I'll be a joint that supplies because it's so much greater to give than it is to receive, so much greater. So much more greater. So in closing, he led, he promoted Joseph. He gave him a great increase, but you know what he had to do first? He had to to decrease him in any self helplessness or hopelessness, just like he had to do with Abraham and Sarah. Bring him to the point where they could do nothing in their circumstances and situations. When it seems the darkest, trust him. When it seems the darkest, darkest and most hopeless, trust him. The day's gonna dawn. The day's gonna dawn. And like the diamond in the jewelry store, it's not only the light that shines on the diamond, but it's, the background is black. It's black. And he's forming us. So he prepared Joseph. Not only for himself, but for others. Not only for two nations. Listen to this one. Everything he was doing in Joseph, we think of the big nations and the big plans that God has. And yes, he did have that for Joseph. Do you know who else he had it for? Even them that did that evil towards him. That's what he was teaching them. You know what I'm like, Joseph? You know what I'm like? I'm going to tell you what I'm like. This is me. I was wounded in the house of my friends, it says, in Zechariah thirteen six and 7. He said, where did you get these wounds? You know where? Where? House of my friends, those that I loved so deeply. Yeah. And so they came. And what did Jacob get back? Not only Benjamin, but there was Joseph. What a book. He had him waiting. He was waiting in Isaiah 30, 18, to be gracious to Joseph. He wasn't against him. He was using those circumstances and situations to prepare him for what he had. But what he had was even, had to start in him so that he could be that, Christ in him, for so many others. Did you know that his brothers who did that evil for 17 years, you see it by the time you get to Genesis, the 50th chapter. For 17 years, he took care of them. He loved them. How do we do that? God has to be Christ in us. He took care of them for 17 years. And they thought that Joseph was doing it not for them, but for his father as long as he was alive. And when he died, their dad died, the brothers said to themselves, "Uh uh-oh, now he's going to exact revenge against us. He's going to make us pay. And Joseph wept, wept. Tears of brokenness, tears of love, unconditional love, no strings attached. That's what he was teaching him. That's what he's teaching us. That's forgiveness. No strings attached. It's dealt with. He cried and he said in Genesis 50, verse 19, Am I God to you? No. No. You may have done it for evil, but God meant it for good. 17 years they were in the house. How how much time do we have together? How many blessings and the things that God has done over a process of time and all of us together in our history if you looked at all the good and some of the bad, which outweighs it? You tell me. And to forget all that? Listen, and he's teaching me this too. He's teaching me this. I am not my past. And he's teaching me. If he had to chain a Roman, uh, an apostle, a heavenly apostle to a Roman guard to teach him continuously, he's going to do it with all of us. He's going to do it with all of us. Every single one of us. You know why? Because God is for us. In Romans 8.31, he's for us. He's not against us. He is for us. That's the truth. And those dire-looking, terrible-looking circumstances and situations are the very preparation to bring us to the end of ourselves so he can just come in and bless us, but not only us, but a multitude of others. So, Father, thank you for your thoughts this morning towards us we will never come to the end of them. You formed us. Before we even knew you, your thoughts formed us in the womb. In Psalm 139, 13, 17. And you said even your thoughts, before we could even think them, you couldn't even number them. Because you said to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Ephesians 3 and verse 19. Now unto him, no one else, but unto him who always does exceeding and abundantly, way above that we could even ask or think. Now unto him be glory. Now unto him be glory oh God we glorify our precious Savior and thank you for him thank you for teaching us I thank you Lord for not leaving me and not forsaking me because you have dealt with all that distance that's not only between me and you but you've done that between each and every one of us the distance is gone there's only forgiveness and adjustments by your grace that we can only make through your strength. And we are so thankful this morning in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory. We preach not ourselves, but Christ, that your faith may never stand in the wisdom and the power of man, but of Christ himself. We just thank you in Jesus' name, amen.